in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Please open with me Second Corinthians chapter 4 and we'll read together verse 10 and 11. It reads, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Sorry, body and body, it's English and... <laughs> for we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Let me ask you at the beginning, what does it mean that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh? Can you share with me your thoughts? What does it mean? Okay, it's repeated twice in the end of verse 10 and 11, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 10 and 11. Is it clear? Is voice not clear? Can you hear me clearly? So, is the problem in my voice or in my But all the acts of Christ 
which was eternal in the mind of the, of the Trinity, revealed in time, and remained eternal. Remained eternal. What does it mean? Today, we are celebrating the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. But not only. We are celebrating his, his incarnation. Celebrating his cross. We're celebrating the whole life of Christ every day. Why? Because all the acts of Christ remain eternal. But why the church is focusing every year in certain seasons to celebrate a certain feast to tell us that our year is called liturgical year. We are living the whole life of Christ during the year and during the day as well. That's why we find the Agbaya in the morning we celebrate the resurrection. Third hour we celebrate the Pentecost, six hours the cross, and so on. Why the church is telling us we are not living in time. The church is the eternal presence of, the, of Christ on earth. That's why we are not limited to time. So when our teaching is focusing on one event, forgetting the others, we are missing out something very important. That's why St. Paul was telling us that the life of Christ also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. He is telling us the whole life of Christ. If you imagine now that we have the best curriculum at school or at uni, and then we discovered that the students did, doesn't, did, did not like this curriculum. So we decided to change it, or to, tell, to give them half of it, or quarter of it, and we are telling them, this is enough for you. In fact, they are missing something. And sometimes they are missing the whole message because this something is very important. In many churches, outside the Coptic church, will hear this teaching. Some churches are focusing on the cross. Come to the cross and your sins are going to be forgiven. What about the incarnation? Is it including in your story? What about the resurrection? And some others are forgetting totally the cross and just are living the resurrection life of Christ. Where is the cross there? The aim of our weekend or today and tomorrow is to find out the fullness of the message of Christ that we want as servants to receive it, to be able to convey it. That's why we start today with the paradox, the grain of wheat. And when we say it's a paradox, because it seems a contradiction, but in reality, it is the need for every one of us. We, when we think of this, the world, when the world is thinking of this, it's a disaster, it's an end. But when we as Christians, we think of this, it's totally different. It's a beginning for a new life. It's a beginning of a new resurrection. So we'll find people also thinking of time once more. But Jesus was in the cross and died for three days and then all his life resurrection, no. Because we said the acts of Christ remain eternal. Till today he is in the cross. Till today he is risen. Till today he is incarnated. Because his acts, which is conveying his life to us, is eternal. That's why I'm invited to live the cross every day and the whole day. I'm invited to live the resurrection all day and every day, ascension and everything. That's why we find even the rituals of a church on the day of Pentecost. We pray only during the prayer, prayer only a psalm on the third hour. And then we keep the litanies till 
just after the reading the practice. Why? The church is telling us the whole life of the church is a Pentecost. Even in the Good Friday, even in the Easter day. Why? Because we are living the whole events of the life of Christ in an eternal understanding. That's why let me read with you first. John chapter 12 and verse 24. Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it produces much grain. When we think of it, we can easily, all of us, preach about this verse. But what about your life and my life? Am I able to accept to die every day, to produce much grain every day? Again, in theory, I can, sing, I can say yes. But in reality, in practice, are we dying or not? Our journey today is just with this verse, to see how this paradox is very real and very essential for me as a servant. To live, to live a risen life, I need a continuous death. It might make sense to some of us, might not mean, not mean no sense for some others, but still it's the reality of the message of Christ. And by all means, we cannot omit any part of it. I would have Cameron used to say that a church without cross, it's like a groom without bride. It's a reality. Metropolitan Christus were put it in a very nice way. You will, remain, you will remain dead as far as you refuse to die. And think of yourself. We were thinking just a few minutes ago, come awake. And I'm asking myself, am I awake? Am I accepting this, such this, every minute of my life, just not to remain dead? Again, it looks a paradox, but again, it's the reality that I need to live a full life of this, full life of resurrection. St. Paul, if you open with me again, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, and we read from verse 7 to 9. You will find St. Paul is telling us facts. But he's telling me these facts, each one of them, it's, it's like a coin, has two sides. So if we read together, but we have these treasures in earthen vessels. When you refuse to be an earthen vessel to be broken, the treasure will remain inside, no one will see it, and even you, you can't enjoy it. It's hidden in these earthen vessels. That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Every time you and me rejected to be broken, in a very simple way, rejected to be obedient, to your head in your surface, your father of confession, your priest, your whoever it is, you are hiding the treasures. And you are trying to take the glory for yourself. You are rejecting the excellence of power to be of God and not ourselves. And then he is putting before us what is going to happen. You are hard pressed on every side. This is from outside. But yet not crushed, it is from inside. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, 
struck down, struck down, but not destroyed. What does it mean? It's telling us every minute we are living the cross and the resurrection. The blue one is the cross, hard pressed every, every side. We read it today in Acts chapter 14, if you attended the liturgy, St. Paul was in Lystra and he did a great miracle. A man born and he never walked and he healed him. They started to worship him and he, he stopped them with Barnabas and told them we are human like you. Immediately some Jews came from Antioch and spoke badly about St. Paul and they started to stone him and they thought he is dead and his disciples take him out. What are you doing? This is the life of Christ. If you want to follow him, you will be always hard-pressed on every side. If you read Philippians, St. Paul was hard-pressed from church members. Even they were preaching Christ for the sake of teasing him. Showing him we can make better than you. That's why the power, not of God, of them. So if we see the two sides of the cross and the resurrection, we'll find them going hand in hand together. When we reject the cross, we reject the resurrection at the same time. That's why, unfortunately, some of us put aside the cross and enjoying the resurrection. As one of our topics tomorrow, we were fasting the whole fast. We have a journey and destination to celebrate the cross and the Easter time. And then, everyone thinks, and then my spirituality goes down. What does it mean? As if the cross finished, the Easter finished, or the resurrection finished, and now it's time of relaxation. No cross, only resurrection. Resurrection for me, it means do whatever you want, which is not true at all. In the same chapter, what we read a few minutes ago, St. Paul is telling us that life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. What does it mean? Mortal flesh. I know from the beginning that I am born in corruptibility and mortality. And once I accept this, he is able to tell me, now if you accept to die, my life is going to be manifested in you. When we read about the grain of wheat, the Lord was telling us, unless you die, you are fruitless. We, sing, we, we sang a song now and said, the Lord stepped down into darkness. I'm sure we heard the word many times in the past three years in each what's so-called revolution in each country. They were asking their president or king or whoever it is to step down. And today the Lord is asking us all. Are you ready to step down that I will reign over your life? I will reign over your own service or ministry, whatever it is. If you step down, I will lead you. If you step down, you will hear St. Paul is telling you in Romans chapter 8, for, but those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. If you are still leading yourself, you are still not obeying your spiritual father, still you are picking what suits you, and what you feel it's right and what you feel it's wrong. He's telling you, it's not right. You are not in the right day. You are not a real child of God because you are not led by the Spirit. That's why the life of Jesus is as such. It will be only manifested in our mortal bodies if we accept carrying the death of Christ at all times. 
That's why even St. Paul, when he experienced the power of his resurrection, said, I would like to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. So do you accept the fellowship of his suffering? Again, it's not occasionally, it's a lifestyle. That's why sometimes we are amazed to see or to watch a video about Saint Anthony or any of the ascetic fathers. And then I can sort or think, you know, for a while I can do this, but for one day. I can try having this version, but for a few hours. Why? Because I think that the life with Christ is just snapshots. I will pray one day. I will have a good fast for a few days. I will read my Bible continuously for a week. It's not a lifestyle. Because what he is saying, the life of Christ is manifested in your, our mortal bodies. It's the life of Christ, which is steady and always leading us from glory to glory. Because it's a paradox, when we look to Hebrews 12.2, how come joy and shame is the same verse? And he's telling you, I mean, if you accept the joy, if you seek the joy, accept the shame as well. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, what sort of joy? He endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here is the life. Sometimes we are picking up our place in which we serve. Why? Because I am not able to accept or to endure the shame of the cross. He's telling us you will never have a real joy without the shame of the cross. If you go to the church history, you will find someone like St. Basil when he was exiled by the emperor and he was trying by all means to bribe him to renounce the orthodox faith and to follow Arius. And then he told him, I will put you in a place, no one will see you again. And then St. Basil was asking him, is Jesus there? I'm not bothered. There is still a shame, but there is a joy that I am with him, dying and rising every day. Second part of the, of the paradox, that this leads to exaltation. In Philippians 2, verse 8 and 9, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He's trying to say how shameful it is. Even to the death of the cross, no more shame. We think it now, no more shame, but for him, it was the ultimate shame. And what he did is offered to us. He offered his resurrection, and he's offering also the power of his death. Therefore, God also has highly exhausted him. Are you willing to be exalted? Yes, I wish. Then go and wash the feet of those who does not deserve to be washed. Go and die for those who are still sinners. He says in, in, in Romans 5, 8, while we are still sinners, God did something very strange. He demonstrates his love and he dies for every one of us. Therefore, God has also highly exalted him 
and giving him the name which is above every name. Through what? Through a death, even the death of a cross. And when we say we like our ministry to flourish, to revive, but we don't need a we don't want a cross. God is telling us how. When St. Paul was telling us the fellowship of his suffering, he was telling us the reality of his life. But by all means, the Lord was aware. Are you aware? Am I aware that the way to exaltation, the way to the resurrection, the way to the joy is cross? He says in John 12, verse 27-28 Now my soul is troubled and what shall I say Father save me from this hour but for this purpose I came to this hour and when he said it he meant it to be in the tongue and the mouth of every one of us when we decide to serve the Lord it's not a luxury it's not a prestigious act to do in the church we came for this hour to share and to fellow to be have a fellowship of his suffering so very important part the awareness of our calling we are called to bear witness and to enjoy the whole life of christ every day every day we hear the good news the annunciation that's why Every 29th of the Coptic month, except two months in the Coptic year, we celebrate the three great feasts, Annunciation and the birth of Christ. And the church is trying to us by all means, every day in the Agbaya, every day in Tasbiha, that we are living the whole life of Christ. Don't miss anything, and you can't choose a part to miss. That's why it's awareness. Before, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. And he's urging you and me this afternoon. Don't go home without this awareness. It's a calling for the whole life. Inclusive in it, the cross. Inclusive in it, the joy of, uh, has been set before him. That's why he was able to endure the suffering. And more than that, are you going to serve the Lord? St. Paul is telling you, here is my encouraging word. What is your encouragement? He says that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourself know that we are appointed to this. Do you imagine you are called for an interview for a job and here is the condition, you have been appointed to afflictions. Are you ready? Joyfully, St. Paul knows. And joyfully he was spreading the good news. We have been called to affliction, appointed for affliction. But we know it is part of our fellowship with the suffering of Christ. It leads to exaltation. It leads to daily death and daily resurrection as well. Saint Ephraim the Syrian is saying, Glory to you, you who set your cross a bridge over this. That's why even the meaning of this will become to be, it's a bridge. Bridge to reach to our heavenly groom. For souls to cross from the dwelling of death to that of life. It's not only life in general term, it's for life of Christ. 
That's why don't accept the devil to degrade your calling. I'm appointed for affliction to enjoy, to go through death because it's a bridge to life here on earth, life of Christ, and then the fullness of it in the life to come. But Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified just a few hours before the cross. Do you believe that Jesus is calling his cross being glorified? And again, the Lord was not showing us how he is able to do, to do it. He's telling us, I have taken your fallen nature, which is not able to say anything of this, and united you with me. That's why, as Abuna was talking to us a few minutes ago, the Eucharist is the power, the means that gave me all his life. In the end of each liturgy, I'm united with not the risen Christ, not the crucified Christ, I am united myself with the whole life of Christ. That's why it's not a repetition to speak out he was incarnate and became man and then he rose from the dead and he is coming in his, in his second coming to Jesus. I am uniting myself with this eternal Jesus Christ. I'm enjoying the fullness of his life. That's why before going to Gethsemane that the Son of Man should be glorified. When we see suffering, it's away from glorification. You can flee but you never receive this glorification, either in this life or in the life to come. And when we are serving others, we are not trying to tell them, we are trying to live for them and for ourselves, that we are going to be glorified through suffering, to see the majesty of his resurrection daily, both of them suffering and resurrection. Let me in the next few minutes, take a case study to see how St. Paul received this paradox in a great joy. And then we need to apply it to our life. We are not here to give a nice talk or some verses or some quotes of the Church Father about a topic. We need to be fed, all of us. We seek the Holy Spirit in each and every meeting that He will open our eyes, He opens our, 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 our hearts to receive a message of conversion. He came to give us a life and the life of Christ is always renewed. So I'm not coming to a meeting or to a liturgy or whatever to go home as I came. St. Paul in Acts chapter 9 met the Lord and all of you I'm sure you know the story. But he gave testimony to his story twice in the book of Acts in chapter 22 and chapter 26. Just I'll pick up a few verses from each one, and he's telling us, here is my journey. Here is my journey with the Lord, living all his life, all the day long. Not missing a day without affliction, because I'm, I'm, point, I'm appointed for this affliction. Not missing one day without this, not missing one day with the power of the resurrection. So in Acts chapter 9, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. This is the Lord talking to Ananias. Do you imagine? I am calling someone to be a follower of me, and I am telling him, I will show you how much suffering you have to suffer for my name. 
this is my calling and your calling. If you have another sense of the calling, then you are missing the way. We will never enjoy it. It looks like a paradox, but this is the reality of the calling. I will show him how many things he must suffer for my sake. And Anias went his way and entered the house and laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you come, he sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why the church in the very first day you and I came to the church, our eyes were opened. The, the, the word baptism in Syriac and in the early church was illumination. We are illuminated and received the power of the Holy Spirit. Then you will be able to make your mission. Otherwise, you will run away. I can't bear this cross. I'm not coming to church to be afflicted. I'm coming to church to serve the Lord that people will point towards me and say he is or she is a great servant. We are coming because we know we are appointed for affliction of any kind, from anyone, at any time. St. Paul and even the Lord himself was persecuted by mainly the religious leaders of his time and by the government, by the Roman Empire at that time. So by all means, affliction is there. And the Lord himself did it to tell us no disciple is better than his master. You'll go through it if you accept to be my disciple. So at the beginning, in the very first day, I died with Christ in my baptism, and I have been eliminated and received the power of the Holy Spirit. So the church is telling me again, are you empowering yourself every day with the Holy Spirit? Said, no, I have already been baptized, which is true. The church gave me that potential of the full power on day one. But are you activating this power? Are you receiving the power on a daily basis, as St. Paul says in Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command, like don't steal, be filled. Be filled through all means of grace, through the sacraments, through reading the word of God, through your prayers, through your prostrations and matanias. Are you rekindling the spirit in your life this is the beginning if you want to go this way to enjoy the fullness of the paradox between this and resurrection here what you have to do and then equipping him in chapter 22 verse 12 to 14 he was telling us how the lord is going to equip saint paul and to equip every one of us then a certain man called Anias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews and dwelt there, came to me and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And that the same hour I looked up at him. Then he said, The God of our Father has chosen you, chosen you, that you should know his will. And then he's asking you and me, do you know my will in your life? Do you know where I want you to serve? Do you know when I want, I want you to be under full obedience to the word of God, to your spiritual father, to the head of your 
whatever stage you are serving in or youth ministry or whatever it is, St. Paul is urging us in Colossians chapter 3 and verse, chapter 1, sorry, and verse 9. He says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, we heard that the Colossians believed, don't cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Are we praying for each other, as St. Paul did, and for ourselves, to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding? It's not something to feel bad that I'm doing, I'm not doing it, but something to urge me, I need to do it. So please don't get any verse in a negative way that I am bad, I'm not doing this. The Lord is opening our eyes to see that there is a need. And this need is to pray, to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And then he's telling him, and to see the just one. To see the just one. What does it mean? You know, if you don't know whom you are worshiping, if you don't know whom you are going to proclaim his name, and you don't have a relationship with him, you are a storyteller, and maybe a bad storyteller like me. But if you know who, whom do you stand before, and if you know what you are doing in each Eucharist, you are uniting yourself with the eternal Jesus Christ, who conquered this, and who is risen, and who is sending his spirit to you and to me every day to be filled and refilled. In Acts chapter 2, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 4 again, they prayed and all were filled with the Holy Spirit. What happened? It's a refilling. We always need to be refilled. Why? Because they see the just one. But St. Paul saw the just one in reality. In chapter 9, when he met him at the gate of, of Damascus. But he said to him, it's not a matter of to see him once. You need to see him or your life. You need to be in his presence or your life. That's why the church father is encouraging us to pray Jesus prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Why? Because we believe reciting the name of Christ is an invocation of the person of Christ. Reciting the name of Christ is an invocation of the person of Christ. So if the paradox is shame leads to glory, this leads to life with a full awareness that we are appointed for this affliction, St. Paul knows, because I am in presence of the just one at all times. I still figure out his wounds. I still see him risen and exalted the whole day long. That's why I, I want to bear in my body and to carry in my body the dying of Christ at all times. The third one, and hear the voice of his mouth. I'm not directed by my own desires. A voice of mouth here, it is through all means, through the word of God, through my spiritual father. But when I hear it from the word of God, I have to be cautious. Why? I need to discern by exposing my thoughts, what I understood to my spiritual father. 
because unfortunately many are deceived by I heard from the Lord. Yes, it's very good to hear from the Lord. Did you expose what you heard to your spiritual father to know if it's true or deception? We hear it many times in the desert father that many of them heard voices. It seems very true, very real, and very spiritual, but it was for their disasters. And it ended up, some of them even lost the way totally. Saint Anthony, when he came, came to him, the voice, go to the inner desert, something great, and something very spiritual. He spent five years to examine this thought. So please, enjoy the word of God. And let him lead you and hear a word from his mouth. But be careful. Don't follow your own understanding. He says in Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5, says, do not lean in your own understanding. That's why we rely on the church understanding. Our church father how the scripture was understood in the church. That's why when we say we believe in the word of God, in two conditions. As explained by the fathers, and lived by the saints. I'm not going to invent either interpretation or a way of living because we are receiving from our holy tradition. The word tradition in Greek, paradisos. Paradisos means handing over, but in which way? A dynamic handover. I lived with father, my father's confession. I lived with my spiritual father or as a monk, lived in the monastery. He received what other person received from his father and so on. We are not following, following cunning fables as St. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1. And to hear the voice of his mouth. Be keen to hear it and be keen also to expose it to your spiritual father. Of course, you don't need to expose every understanding. If the Bible is saying you repent, go and repent. If so you stop doing so and so, do and do, go and do it. But sometimes we are deceived by the word I heard from the Lord to do so or not to do such thing. So please be careful. Listen, and even he says in Isaiah chapter 50, he's telling us, I will give you a word. But the word within the context of the church. He says in Isaiah chapter 4, 50, verse 4 and 5, The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned, because I'm going to be a servant, that I should know how to speak a word in a, in a season to him who is weary and awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. So what is your response? The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor I did turn away. When we hear his voice from the word of God, and if you expose it to our spiritual father, or if my spiritual father is giving me the word of God, I should respond to it. I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Ask yourself, because we are serving God for not full-time, but at least we are servant full-time, even if we are not working full-time for the Lord. Because going to work, going to uni is part of my service. I'm not having only two hours every week. It's my life dedicated to the Lord. Ask myself, am I rebellious? Sometimes I feel that to rebel against my father or my mother at home or against my husband or whatever it is, it's normal. There's nothing wrong with it. No, he's telling me it's a lifestyle. You can say I will listen to my Sunday school teacher or the head of the, of the 
use meeting or whatever it is, but I am not going to listen to my parents. I'm not going to listen to my wife, sorry, to my husband. I'm not going to love my wife because she is not in this mood. He's telling us, I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. In chapter 26, he is giving his testimony once more, and he's telling again, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. If you accept the cross, if you accept to die all the whole day, if you accept that my, your calling is afflict, I have appointed you for affliction and I have appointed you for glory. This leads to exaltation. Joy leads to be lifted up above all other names. Then here it is sent you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. Sometimes you are very sad that my service is not fruitful. I gave them a good lesson. I taught them a good Coptic lehen or part of tasbihah, but they are still living the same life. And he's asking, you, asking me, are you, are you dying every day with Christ? Are you humbling yourself in thought and in reality, before God and before your fellow servants in your church and before your father of confession, or you feel that your mind is the best. No one can compete with your understanding. No one can give a talk like your talk. No one can sing the way you sing because your voice is very good and you know even it's a gift from God. It's telling us here, I send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. This is our calling, to turn people from darkness to light. Am I, do I have switches to switch people from darkness? No. But I have the power of the cross in my life. I have the power of the resurrection in my life. And he is telling us, if you accept to be appointed for this death, see how, how much St. Paul did. He visited 23 cities in his life, and he wrote 14 epistles, or 16 books, if you can say, out of 27 in the New Testament. Nearly 100 chapters. How? Because he accepted this, accepted to live the whole life at all times. And then, and from the power of Satan to God. You imagine St. Peter is walking and his shadow casting out demons. He didn't think of it. But he is carrying the power of the cross, the power of the risen Lord, the power of the whole life of Christ. I was amazed that some schools now, even schools, teaching exorcism, even non-Christian, they would like to find a technique to cast out demons. St. Peter is it's very easy and very complicated at the same time. Have the life of Christ and don't think of it. Don't think how to cast out demons. They can't stand before the life of Christ. That they may receive the forgiveness of sins. This is the message of the church. We don't have anything to do in the church without preaching repentance. That's why I was talking to some people before I come to Montreal. The prescription from Abuna is fixed. Whatever your illness, it's the same prescription. Pray, fast, repent, confess, have communion. He is not going to you. Sometimes you come to our Father of Confession or a spiritual leader, tell me something else. We have nothing else. 
So don't deceive yourself that Abuna or you can give something else to anyone. It's one thing. But how to live it, how to make it right, it is how you convey a real life of Christ to those who are listening to your message. And an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Sanctified by faith in me. We say in the liturgy, the holies are for the holy. And we all rush to have communion. You know why? Abuna is praying the prayer of invocation. He invocates the Holy Spirit to come. In this prayer, he is making two miracles in one sentence. But because Abuna only is praying it, not out loud, so we will hear it. He's saying, he's asking the Holy Spirit to come definitely upon the bread and wine, to convert them into the body and blood. But before that, to uh, descend upon us, all of us, and upon this bread and wine, to convert them into the body of Christ, and to convert us from repentant to holy ones. That's why in the end, the holies are for the holy. I'm sure all of you believe in the second miracle. This is a true body and blood of Christ. You believe in the first one? That the church is asking the Holy Spirit to convert us to be a sanctified by faith in me, in Jesus Christ. That's why when we go home, we are achieving the potential of our calling. St. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4, who has chosen us in him to be Blame, holy and blameless. It's not something to be bestowed upon us because of any goodness or any merit in us, but because we accept to die, accept to live the new life with Him. Let me finish with you with the word of sincerity of Jerusalem. Every action of Christ glorifies the church, but the cross is the glory of all glory. If I'm a servant and would like to be fruitful, die like the great grain of wheat. And this is the glory of all glory. The glory of the cross, by contrast, has enlightened all those who were blinded by ignorance. Those who are still rejecting the affliction, afflicting the cross, still living in this ignorance, unfortunately. It has set free all those who were slaves of sin. It has redeemed the whole human race. Let us glorify in the cross of the Savior. So when we have even the doxology of the cross, we are praising the cross because it's the glory above all glory. But if you look at the church prayers, when we mention the cross, we mention the incarnation. We mention the resurrection because it's the whole life of Christ. Now it's exactly 45 minutes. So glory be to God forever. I mean, if you have comments or questions, please.